Uh, let's get into the message for this morning. So, uh, in, back in 1994, which was around 10 years, believe it or not, around 10 years before these graduates were even born, uh, I went on a date to the Delano Movie Theater uh, with a beautiful woman I deeply loved. Uh, that date was actually with my mom. I mean, uh, I, was just a, I was just a toddler at the time. Um, but that, was, uh, that date was to see one of my favorite movies of all time, The Lion King. And my mom still reminds me about how as a toddler, uh, during that final climatic fight scene between Simba and Scar, I was so scared and I was so nervous. I was clinging to her arm and I was crying like a baby the entire time during the end of the movie. But that's besides the point. Uh, I'm going to skip over a huge chunk of plot here this morning, but one key part of the movie, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with, is when the Lion Prince Simba is confronted by his childhood friend Nala to return to their home of the Pride Lands and reclaim Simba's place as rightful king. Under the reign of the evil Scar, uh, the Pride Lands have become a drought-stricken wasteland and they need Simba's help. But Simba is too afraid. Whether it's guilt over his father's death, fear that he's just been gone too long and people will reject him, uh, maybe he just thinks he isn't quite capable or he's scared of Scar, whatever it is, uh, he initially refuses to go. And uh, that is until, in a key part of the movie, uh, he's visited by the ghost of his father, Mufasa, uh, in the night sky. And there's thunder and lightning, and Mufasa visits him in the night sky, and Mufasa gives him the famous quote, Simba, remember who you are. Or, uh, more accurately, remember who you are. <laughs> Uh, in the 2019 remake of the film, which I know is controversial, Mufasa's full line is, I never left you, I never will, remember who you are. And with this encouragement from his father, Simba musters the courage to return to the Pride Lands and confront Scar. And at first, when I was thinking through what I wanted to share with this message and what I wanted to leave these amazing 2022 graduates, uh, that didn't sound too bad, the advice, remember who you are. However, I think from a Christian perspective, I believe there is even better advice than that. Instead of just telling someone to remember who you are, what I want to remind you of this morning and remind everyone in this room is to remember who God is. Remember the mighty and powerful and loving and amazing God that we serve. And it's not a perfect parallel to the situation Simba faced in The Lion King, but uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, the nation of Israel also faces a kind of daunting task of reclaiming land inhabited by their enemies. And the people of Israel for generations had dreamed of inheriting their own land. Uh, an earlier generation led by Moses, uh, they were able to get out of slavery in Egypt, but they squandered the opportunity to enter the promised land because of their disobedience. But now God gives Joshua and the younger generation a second chance. So if you would like to open up, the, the scripture will also be on the side screen, you can open up to Deuteronomy chapter 31. And this entire chapter includes some final instructions from Moses, Israel's great leader, who's now also aging and isn't able to lead anymore. 
and he's going to charge Israel, the priests, and Israel's newly appointed leader, Joshua, to be obedient to God in claiming the promised land. So we'll read just the first eight verses today, but starting in Deuteronomy 31, verse 1. Read along with me. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So I have a few takeaways for us today from these verses. And uh, the first is maybe the most controversial point I have, but I think it is a true one. And that is that the legacy that we inherit from prior generations can sometimes kind of be a little bit of a mixed bag, right? There's a lot of good things, but there also is some bad. And in verse 2, Moses is speaking when he says, I'm not able to lead you anymore. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan River. So you might be wondering, why is that the case? Why wasn't Moses allowed to enter with the rest of the people into the promised land? After all, hasn't he been a mighty and powerful leader, faithful to God for over 40 years? Well, this goes back, we're not going to go fully into it, but back in Numbers chapter 20, when Israel complained and grumbled, as they often did, um, and they were crying out for water. And Moses ended up misrepresenting God. God had instructed Moses how he will provide water pouring out from a rock, but Moses misrepresented God by lecturing the nation harshly and unnecessarily. Moses acted as if God needed him to provide the water for the people. He disobeyed God by angrily striking the rock twice instead of just speaking to the rock as God had instructed him to do. See, Moses, that might seem like a severe punishment, but Moses was being judged by a stricter standard because of his leadership position with the nation and because he had a uniquely close relationship with God. His punishment not being allowed to bring Israel into the promised land. This is why Moses says he's not able to cross the Jordan River and Joshua will be the one that leads the nation into the promised land. Moses is a great example of the complicated legacy he is leaving for Joshua. In some ways, Joshua would be wise just to learn from the mistakes that Moses had made. After all, Moses was far from a perfect person. If you go back to the story, early in his life, Moses killed an Egyptian in anger and had to flee for his life after he was rejected by his own people. At the burning bush, Moses constantly doubted both God and himself 
uh, because he didn't want to be the one to carry out God's plan to free the Israelites from the Egyptians. His struggles with anger continued throughout his entire life, including uh, when he broke the tablets written by the finger of God in Exodus 32 and also striking this rock uh, for water in Numbers 20. And yet, I think if we only focused on those shortcomings, I think that'd also be a little bit unfair. See, despite Moses' weaknesses, God was still able to use him for some incredibly uh, amazing purposes. If you think from his very birth, Moses uh, floating down the Nile in a basket as a baby, Moses' life was miraculous. Over time, Moses grew in boldness and in courage, and he grew in his trust in God, and he was able to be used as a tool for some incredible miracles, including uh, the ten plagues of Egypt and the Israelites crossing the Red Sea on dry land, all of these freeing, ultimately, the Israelites from their captivity and slavery in Egypt. Moses, later in his life, communicated regularly with God and was the vessel used uh, to deliver God's law to the Israelite people. In fact, after Moses' death in Deuteronomy 34, verses 10 through 12, it reads, Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all these signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to the whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in sight of all of Israel. You see, graduates of 2022, I think you're in a similar spot, right? Your country is far from perfect. Your, your community, your church, your family, we are all far from perfect in this room. The prior generations have left you with some messes to clean up and have made some mistakes for you to learn, of, uh, to learn from and learn to avoid. However, I think that would be selling the previous generations also short. There's a lot to be grateful for. We have the ability to freely gather and worship together. You have parents that have sacrificially loved you and cared for you and invested in you since you were a baby. You have teachers and coaches and pastors that have poured into you. Um, and you have friends and community members that have cheered you on. All of this to equip you to take on the mantle that is being passed off to you. So like Moses not being able to cross the Jordan, the previous generation will not be able to lead you forever. And this is why you have been equipped, equipped by God to carry on this next chapter in your life. Next we see in verse 3 that uh, it says, The Lord your God will cross over ahead of you. And this is absolutely key to remember that God goes before you. You are not left alone to explore the unknown. Uh, verse 8 goes even further when it says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Graduates, even amidst this time of celebration of your accomplishments and excitement of what comes next, this can also be a time in your life that maybe is a little nerve-wracking. It can be filled of maybe some anxiety and doubts of uh, what comes next. Questions like, will I make friends at a new school? Did I pick the right major? What am I going to do for my career? Am I going to be homesick when I'm away? What am I going to do to make some money now? How am I ever going to fix my car? Um, wait, do I have to do my own laundry? Like, what, What's that all about? Um, 
Graduates, uh, there's a lot of different things you could worry about. And, and for families and parents as well, this can also be a time of fear and uncertainty among amidst this transition. Questions like, am I going to miss them too much when they aren't at home? Are, are they ever going to call home uh, and visit with me? Uh, did I teach them enough when they, were, when they were at home? Will they remain strong in their faith? And did I equip them to face the real world? And it can be scary to do something if you are the first one, and it can be scary to do something if you feel like you are alone. A uh, quick story, back when I was in college in western Pennsylvania, my friends and I heard about this super cool rock quarry that was hidden in the back of a beautiful nature preserve, and this quarry was perfect for cliff jumping, cliff diving, and swimming, right? And uh, it was pretty hidden, so we received some pretty vague instructions of how to get there. Uh, but after a short drive and a long hike through the woods, we eventually came to the top of a large rock overlooking a beautiful quarry about 30 or 40 feet above a body of water. And since none of us had been to this quarry before and we didn't really follow a clear path to get there, you kind of, we kind of stumbled through the woods, we kind of wondered for sure, are we in the right spot? Like obviously this is the water and this is the quarry we're at, but is it actually safe to jump off of this rock down into the water? Is the water deep enough down below us? Um, we're all hot from the hike, and we all wanted to jump into the water, but no one wanted to be the first guinea pig, right? So it kind of became this situation where it was like, well, why don't you jump off the rock first? And no, 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 after you, be my guest. No, no, after you. And we're all kind of passing the buck. No one wanted to be the first one to go. But graduates, fortunately, you are not in the hands of me and my cowardly friends. Uh, instead, you are in the hands of a loving God who goes before you and prepares your path for you. If you are following God's plan for your life, our God goes before you and ahead of you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, which many of you know, goes like this. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will direct your path. You see, this is a little bit different than the wisdom of the world. The world's advice is focused more on you. It's kind of like Mufasa's advice, remember who you are. Search inside of yourself to discover the truth. Listen to your heart. Blaze your own trail. These sayings that might sound good, but the wisdom of God is actually quite different. We are called to be followers first. Rather than veer off path, off into the wild and into the thicket, blazing our own trail, we are called to submit to God's path. If we trust him and submit to his plans, he will make our paths straight. You see, the nation of Israel had followed Moses for 40 years. He was maybe the only leader most of them had ever known. And Moses was a great man, possibly one of the greatest to ever walk this earth. But even Moses was not irreplaceable. Since God was with Moses, Israel was in good hands, with or without Moses. Moses could pass away in peace because he knew God was with his people. Israel, Moses, and Joshua did not have to fear uh, because they knew that God was going to be with them wherever they went. It says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. Be strong and courageous. And we need that reminder and that encouragement because the reality is in this life, 
we will face trials, obstacles, and opposition. In verse 4, Moses uh, reminds the Israelites of God's past faithfulness in defeating their enemies. He says, And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with the land. Uh, you can find the full account of that kind of battle that Moses is referencing in Numbers chapter 21. But this is a key reminder to Israel of a past victory. And this is important because if you think about it, they're about to face a lot of opposition on the other side of the Jordan River. If you read through the book of Joshua, you know that the Israelites are going to encounter battles with the Hittites, Amorites, uh, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, just to name a few. That's, that, that's not even the full list. And it can be human nature for that to seem a bit daunting. And when we get afraid, that can lead us into fear and inaction. And this is actually the exact reason the previous generation had failed. They had succumbed to their fears and to their doubt. When the 12 spies uh, explored the promised land in Numbers 13, most of them came back and said things like, the people there are too powerful. The cities are very fortified and too large. Uh, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. They said, all those people we saw there, they're giants. We are like grasshoppers to them. In fact, only Caleb and Joshua of the spies went against the majority and tried to convince the Israelites that they could indeed take the land. In graduates, there are certainly some issues and problems facing our world today that can definitely seem daunting and induce fear. You don't have to turn on the news for more than five minutes to be bombarded with that reality. And I think actually one of the saddest difficulties that our next generation of Christians face isn't even a political or economic issue. Uh, a book called Good Faith by David Kinnaman and Gabe Lyons talks about how our Western society has unfortunately moved away from a Christian worldview and become actively antagonistic against those who seek to practice the Christian faith. Uh, they write, Cultural factors, including a backlash against religion's worst sins, a political climate that wants to stamp out religion in the public life, the popular rise of atheism, and amplified access, especially through social media, to polarizing points of view, has made it increasingly difficult to practice faith in our society. And this is in part because our society, a large part of our society, has unfortunately accepted a new moral code, which is all about self-fulfillment. In a large survey of all U.S. adults, they found that 80%, around 80% of U.S. adults agree with the following statements. And all of these statements, I think, in a way, run counter to God's moral code. Uh, statements like, to find yourself, look inside yourself, look within yourself. Right? But God's way is different. It says, to find yourself, discover the truth outside of yourself in the person of Jesus. 80% of U.S. adults currently believe that people should never criticize someone else's life choices. But to a Christian, we know that loving others does not always mean remaining silent. 80% uh, of U.S. adults believe to be fulfilled in life, pursue the things you desire the most. But God's way is that joy is not found in just pursuing your own desires, but instead in giving of ourselves to bless other people. 
Uh, people believe that any kind of sexual expression uh, between two consenting adults is fine. And it doesn't matter if you're married, unmarried, whatever. It uh, doesn't matter. But God's way is different. He designed boundaries for sex and for sexuality in order for human beings to flourish. And lastly, 80% of U.S. adults believe that enjoying yourself is the highest goal of life. But to a Christ follower, we know that the highest goal in life is giving the glory to God. And again, I want to reiterate that this isn't the beliefs of our youth, right? This isn't beliefs of these graduates or their peers. This wasn't a survey of the youth of the country, but a survey of all of the adults. So that means these graduates have grown up in a society where many of their politicians, teachers, celebrities, um, leaders, um, this is the beliefs that are being promoted to uh, the children and the youth of today. But uh, I know that that can then seem daunting, right? We become discouraged, we can worry, we can be afraid. But you know who isn't surprised by these circumstances, who isn't surprised by these beliefs? God. And I know that these graduates today have been equipped with God's truth, right? They have a different, they see morality God's way. And these young disciples today, they represent a hopeful future for the church. They embody the way of Jesus, and they can be a great light to a world that is struggling in darkness. And they can bring the light of Jesus to the world. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Just like Joshua and this younger generation in Israel have been called by God to conquer and inherit the promised land, I believe that God has equipped our younger generation to change our society and change our world for the better, to bring us back to a society that honors God in his way of morality. And the last thing I want to remind you of is this, and is with God, you are never alone. In verse 6, Moses says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And a very similar charge, along with some additional instruction, is then given to Joshua in verses 7 and 8. And you can tell here that uh, Moses was very both in tune with God and that these must have been words that Joshua really needed to hear to be strong and courageous because God gives a very similar charge to Joshua in chapter 1 uh, of the book of Joshua. Be strong. Be courageous. Yes, Joshua, you face a large task ahead of you of conquering enemies and dividing the land, but don't waste your time and energy on being scared or discouraged. God is saying, I got this because I will be with you. And in our own lives, when we are fearful, we need to remember that God has been faithful in so many different ways. We need to remember Jesus Christ's victory over sin on the cross uh, that we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit, and that we have been equipped by the armor of God. Graduates, you should all be very proud of your accomplishments. And as you transition into this next chapter in life, I know the responsibilities of adulthood, the fear of the unknown, the issues facing our world and Christianity, it can all seem like a lot. But I also know that God goes before you and he's uniquely gifted each of you for his specific purposes. When we take our focus away from ourselves and instead remember who God is, we will be strong. We will have courage. 
We won't be afraid or terrified or, because we have confidence that our God will never leave us nor forsake us. Let's pray. Uh, dear God, I thank you for your words of encouragement. Um, I thank you that even though uh, these were thousands of years ago to the nation of Israel, uh, I thank you that the truth of your scripture remains today. We know that Jesus says, uh, as we're making disciples, that uh, he will never leave us, that uh, our God goes before us if we are following his path. Um, he will direct our paths if we trust in him. So, Lord, I, I thank you for that promise. I, I thank you for the encouragement of your scripture. I pray for these graduates as they go on to the next chapter in life, that they remember that they have a God that goes before them, that they are never alone, and that they can uh, always come back to you in prayer for encouragement. They can always come back to the body of believers who will love them, support them. So, Lord, uh, I just uh, pray that we remember that truth uh, when we face trials and opposition, um, that you love us and are there with us. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.